Fed, good to see all of you in the house of the Lord tonight. Uh, just a moment, we're going to pray for uh, Brad. He's heading to Uganda Sunday with Feed the Hungry, and they're going to be working in a refugee camp over there, setting up some portable kitchens, and it's going to be an awesome outreach for Brad and Feed the Hungry. They're not going to be setting them up. They're going to be getting ready to plan how to set them up, and Brad's going to go back and oversee bunch of retired military men who are going to take their life and give it to the children over there in these refugee camps. It's going to be a great thing. I want us to pray for our president. Uh, as if, if, if you're like me, I love politics. I always have. So I naturally gravitate toward it. My wife, on the other hand, would say I would gravitate away from it, meaning her. But I, I do. I like the political arena. I believe God gave us the political structure for this nation. I really do. I believe it comes right out of the book of Kings. And uh, so I, I believe that it is absolutely uh, a God-given mandate that we have in this nation. Uh, apparently, there are three Supreme Court justices that uh, President Trump uh, is uh, considering nominating. And uh, read up on all three of them and don't know that much about their backgrounds or their lives. But every single one of them believe that abortion is not the business of the United States government. It is not covered under our Constitution. And that pro-life is the only way that America should be going as a federal government. That is absolutely in our Constitution. There is not a constitutional mandate for abortion. Maybe a state right, but it is not part of our federal government, if you understand it. So we need to pray because all of the forces are mobilizing right now, the demonic forces that love death and the forces that love life. And we believe in this church that abortion is not of God. It is not a God-given right. It is, a, it is something that the devil has brought into this nation. And uh, I thank God for a president who has stood up and said, I am pro-life and I will be appointing pro-life justices to the Supreme Court. You don't have to believe in the president, and you don't have to believe in everything that he says, but I thank God that we have a president who has made that declaration. Father, we lift up the president, and we pray that in the name of Jesus, you will have the person that you will quicken into his spirit that you desire to fulfill the vacant seat on the Supreme Court. And we thank you, Lord, that already the declaration has been made that that person will be a pro-life judge who will understand the root of the Constitution of the United States of America. And we thank you for that. We pray for that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, stretch your hands out toward Brad over here. And uh, am I getting feedback from this or something I'm doing? Something is ringing up here. Brad, do you want to say a word? You're going to head out Sunday? <laughs> he said no. Stretch your hands out. Father, we thank you for Brad. If anyone was asleep, you are now awake. I used Q-tips this morning, but I didn't need to because it would have taken care of it then. Give the sound man a hand because he's not doing anything wrong, but obviously we have a challenge here. Back to Brad. Father, we thank you for Brad. We thank you for the trip to Uganda, to the refugee camp. 
Lord, I believe this is your assignment for Brad. I believe this is your assignment for Feed the Hungry, to feed those precious children, to give them water, to give them hope. And we thank you for that. Safe travel over, safe travel back, and divine appointments throughout all of these uh, commissioners that they're going to be meeting with to establish these kitchens. And we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, okay. The confession is a little new to all of us, so i got to get my glasses on. Let's get it up there if we have it. And we're going to make our new 2017 confession. And if we don't have it there, I'm lost because I don't have it. If, where are the printed copies? I can lead you with a printed copy. Who's got a printed copy? Give me a printed copy. It says, I have purpose. I'm here by purpose. My mind is open to receive and... I was close. Are you ready? Just repeat after me. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. There we go. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. Turn to your neighbor and say, good for you. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life. Because Jesus lives in my life. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand. You can be seated. Have a seat. <laughs> Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. I'm going to promote a book. Some of you have read it. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to get it. If you have $7, pay for it. If you don't have $7, just smile and tell her pastor said I could have it. But it's, uh, it's uh, led by the Spirit. How many of you read that book? I read that book um, once a year. Maybe for me it has more meaning because I lived through this book with the pastor of Victory Christian Center. So uh, when I read the stories, it's like, yeah, I was there, I remember that. But, but, but it's a book about how you can start off in life moving one direction, which is pretty much all of us, and all of a sudden realize that that's not the direction God wants me to go. That's not the plan for my life. That's not his will for my life. And how you begin to make that subtle turn, not understanding how you can do it, but knowing that you're following the will of God. And this is the message tonight about following the will of God. Because the, the most important thing in your life is to follow the will of God. And if you'll do that, you will have the blessings of God that will come upon you and overtake you. But many of us, myself included, definitely me, I have started my life moving the wrong direction, making my plan, making my purpose, and not even knowing the Lord. And then after I got to know the Lord, I still had my plan and my purpose, and I told him what I wanted to do and how I wanted to be blessed and what I wanted him to do for me, and none of it worked. As a matter of fact, my life seemed to get worse after I got saved. Now I had the devil on my back. I had God trying to lead me, and I had me trying to be in charge. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think I know what he's talking about. That's a very difficult place to be. But if you'll get into the place in your life, when you will make a decision, all I want to do with the rest of my life is to do God's will. This book will help you. Seven bucks. If you don't have seven dollars, take the book because we want to see your life change. If you have your Bibles, turn to the, oh, uh, turn to the book of Romans chapter 12. Do we have Faith's new car up there? Faith has it has been believing for a car over in uh, Johannesburg, Joburg, South Africa. Now, she doesn't have it yet, is that correct? But she already has it signed, sealed, not quite delivered, 
but the wire transfer is on the way, and let's give the Lord a hand. That is her new car called a Hyundai something, right? Or Honda. Honda. Honda fits. Whatever. It is a, no, it is a Hyundai. Yeah, it is a Hyundai. It's a Hyundai. That's it. <laughs> Whatever it is, it looks like it's red, but that looks like Faith would love that car. It is so exciting. Some of you have given into the project and other people, and it's just awesome to see uh, to see what can happen there. We're, we're going to read in, in the book of Romans, and, and the title of the message tonight is Your Most Important Priority in Life Today and Your Most Important Priority for the Rest of Your Life. And I believe... It is knowing the will of God. And God will never not tell you what he wants you to know. God does not have a problem getting his will through to us to tell us what he wants us to know. The problem is that we don't listen to God many times. We don't take the time to pursue the most important thing in our life. And I'm talking from personal experiences also where I have missed God and realized that I was trying to God, get God to move on my behalf instead of moving on his behalf and watching all of the blessings come upon me and overtake me that God had for me. And when we understand how important this is, then it will absolutely change our lives. Our first response should always be, what is the will of God? Not to open our mouth and not to think. How many of you, when you have to make a decision, open your mouth and start thinking immediately? May I see your hand? And, and what happens is in many times we get in trouble because we don't know the will of God. We're trying to solve something quickly based on our experience, solve something with the words coming out of our mouth, which are coming from our mind, which our mind is racing ahead to solve or do or come up with a response to something. And God wants us always to seek his will. Now, in the book of Romans, most of you in this church have heard this scripture a lot, but I believe that Romans 12, 1 and 2 is the key to success for the rest of our lives. Every year, myself included, I pray and ask God, you know, what, what do you have? What, what, what is the next year going to bring? And sometimes I hear clearly from God, and sometimes I just think, well, this sounds good. Maybe it's God, maybe it's not, but I'm not sure. But I believe this is going to be a year of abundance. Now, I believe that's God's will. I shared that uh, a, a week ago, a Sunday. Uh, I believe it's God's will that we have abundance. But I don't believe God's been waiting for 2017 for his people to have abundance. I believe God has always wanted his people to have abundance. In the old covenant with his people, in the new covenant with Jesus, Jesus said in John chapter 10, I've come to give you abundance the, uh, and, and give it life, give it life more abundance. And that the thief comes to kill, steal, and to destroy all the way from the Garden of Eden, the devil has always tried to take and usurp the will of God. In the Garden of Eden, we're going to get to Romans 12 in just a moment here, but in the Garden of Eden, you all know the scripture, Genesis 2, Genesis 3, God put man in the garden and said you can partake of any tree in the garden, but stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was God's will. He made it crystal clear to Adam. He made it crystal clear to Eve. What did both of them do? They partook and did the opposite of the will of God, and we've been paying for it ever since. 
the will of God is God's desire for every person on the face of the earth. And what we're going to talk about today is how the will of God, centering yourself in the will of God, will bring the blessing of God upon your life. God does not have a problem bringing abundance on the life of his people if they will pursue what he has for them. It doesn't mean that the minute you move toward the will of God, you will have everything in your life that you've ever wanted. Many of you have heard this story over the years, but when I first got saved, I didn't know anything, and I'm still learning, but when I first got saved, I got a hold of John chapter 14, verse 14. And in John chapter 14, verse 14, I heard that if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's all I needed. I didn't even need to read the rest of the Bible. I had all I needed. I had a laundry list for God. God, I want to be totally out of debt. I want a Lincoln Continental, and I've got some other things I'll share with you later on. Well, I didn't get out of debt for a long time, and I never got the Lincoln Continental, but you know what? I don't even want a Lincoln Continental. I, 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 I realized, and, it's, and I realized this the hard way, that God was not looking to serve me and bless me because I was now born again. God was looking for me to follow him and do what he said. And when I finally got a hold of some of that message, I hadn't mastered it, but when I got a hold of that message and realized that if I will write down what God, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got when I was first saved, write down what God, what you think God is telling you, and then follow that. That's the pattern for your life. That's the direction for your life. That's the will of God for your life. And take the word of God as the foundation, the written word of God in the Bible, uh, the, uh, and let the Holy Spirit quicken it to you, and then write down what God shows you. I did that for four days, and nothing came to pass that I was believing for, so I threw away my four-day prayer journal. I wish I had it back, but I threw it away. I threw it away. I got so upset and frustrated. Can I see the hands of all the people you've ever gotten upset and frustrated with whatever, life, God, whatever, just, I just, and after four days of serving God, I had had it. I was ready to get out of the enlistment. But then I realized that it's a lifetime venture, and when God spoke into my spirit and said, go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning of your life, now I have the will of God, but I wasn't sure. Everybody say, not sure. Can I see the hands of all the people that you hear some things and you're just not quite sure, is this really God or is this just me? And, I, and it was like, go to Tulsa and you'll find the, the meaning of your life. Okay, I think I've got the will of God, but what am I going to do in Tulsa? How am I going to supply for my family? How am I going to get there? What am I going to do? What about the kids? What? All these questions started coming. I thought, well, I go to Pam, and we just got married. We haven't been married too long. She'll quench this whole thing because that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Pam, I think God's telling us to go to Tulsa. What do you think? You want to pray about it? Let's go to Tulsa. Let's follow God. So, oh, excuse me. Now, now, now what am I going to do? When we went to Tulsa, we almost starved. It was, it, was, it was an interesting experience. We can laugh about it now, but it wasn't funny back then. It was really difficult. It was like going to the wilderness. But time and time again, I started seeing the supernatural work. Everybody says supernatural. How many of you want to live in the realm of the supernatural? Then what you have to do is get out of the natural realm and move in the supernatural realm and let the blessed be live in the natural realm, obviously. But to move in the supernatural realm and let God's blessing come upon us and overtake us, 
we would have people give us $20 for food. Well, that is not exactly the abundance I was looking for. I was so happy for the $20, but it wasn't the abundance I was looking for. Somebody said, I'll buy you a tank of gas. That exact, I, was, I was so thankful for the tank of gas, but it wasn't like, oh, I've arrived. I have a tank of gas. That wasn't what I was looking for. But then as we continued on to do that, we began to see the will of God based on step by step if we'll seek the will of God in everything that we do, then those blessings of God will come upon us and overtake us. And in the book of Romans, it tells us <coughs> to present our bodies as a living sacrifice by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, everybody say that. Say it again. Say it again. How many of you have a mind that needs to constantly be renewed? Not every day. Every hour. Not every hour. Every minute. Do you know you're one minute away, one second away from an unrenewed mind? The thoughts come, the thoughts go, you take hold, or you let go and cast down. I know you've heard this probably from this pulpit before, but the average person takes and thinks about 30,000 thoughts a day. I've never counted my thoughts, but I think I'm below average. But, but regardless, uh, you know, 30,000 thoughts a day coming at you, some of them from God, from God's will, some of them from the world, maybe good, maybe bad, most, mostly bad, and, then, and some of them certainly from the devil trying to get you to think about all of the challenges. But God wants us to pursue his will and to think about his will. And it says that the renewing of your mind, do you need to not, trans, uh, not to, uh, uh, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove. Now that word means to test or to discern. To test or to discern what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God has a perfect will for your life. If God has a perfect will for our life, am I causing feedback because of this sweater? Or is it, can you, do I sound like feedback? Okay, I sound like I'm in a tunnel. Okay, uh, uh, God has a perfect will for your life that you've got to press into and make sure that you know what it is. In the book of Deuteronomy 28, it's an uh, old covenant, but it applies today to each and every one of us. It says, now, it shall come to pass if you diligently... Now, the word diligently means to be full of intense and strong passion, to be quick. So if we read this, it says it will come to pass if you will be intense and if you will be strong and passionate and quickly, quick to obey the voice of the Lord your God. Carefully, all of his commandments will come upon you today that the Lord your God has set you high above all of the nations of the world and all of the blessings, all of the blessings, all of the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. The word blessing means to be happy, to be prosperous, to be successful, and to be content. Let's all say happy, happy. prosperous, prosperous. Successful, successful, and content. 
How's it going to happen? The blessings of God are going to come upon us and overtake us because we have been diligent to hear the voice of the Lord our God. Brad has prayed. Sandy has prayed. They believe it's the will of God that Brad go to Uganda and that he'd be over there for about four or five days doing this job. Now, we don't know what's going to happen when Brad goes over there, but I believe there will be divine appointments, there will be supernatural appointments, because he's hearkened unto the voice of the Lord his God, they're moving in the direction that God has them, and the blessings of God are going to overtake him. This states, basically, of, it gives the connotation of somebody that's moving. They're moving in a direction, and the blessing of God will come upon you and overtake you. How many of you are sports fans? I love sports. And I love all of the different sports. And I don't watch a lot of it on television, but I do like sports, especially when it comes to the end, the playoffs, and, <clears throat> and all of that. And I was thinking of this today as I was praying, how sometimes in football you'll see a, a, a football team and, and a quarterback, NFL or whatever, and that quarterback, he, he fades back, and, and they've called a, a play in the huddle, and, and, and he throws this pass, and it's a long pass down, the, down the, 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 the field, and it just lands where nobody's around. And, and there's a receiver way over here that, you know, you think, well, why didn't he throw it to the receiver that was way over there? And you see the quarterback, and he's, he's kind of upset with the receiver over there. And if you're not really tuned in to the way it works, it possibly was the receiver's part because the ball is never thrown where the receiver is. The ball is thrown where the play was called. And the ball is thrown way before the receiver gets there. Otherwise, anybody could intercept it. So the ball is thrown based on the play that's called. And a lot of times when you see that ball thrown into an area where there's no receiver, some people think, boy, that quarterback's really off today. No, that quarterback could be on his A game. He could be doing absolutely what he has been trained to do, but the receiver ran the wrong pattern. And they're over there just, you know, uh, uh, wishing they didn't have to walk back to the huddle to face the quarterback because he's going to say, hey, man, you ran the wrong play. Sometimes we're trying to figure out where God is in our life, but we're running the wrong play. We're going the wrong place. We're trying to get God to come to where we are to bless us, but he wants us to go where he wants us to go. Sometimes it's like we're holding on to where we are because we're in a comfort zone in the boat, even though the boat ship, uh, ship, the ship, boat, even though the boat is sinking. In other words, we're comfortable being uncomfortable and we're not happy with our life, but we don't want to move because we might make a mistake. How many would say amen to that? And what we've got to do then is get to the point, what is the perfect will of God? Well, if you want to know the perfect will of God, all you have to do is ask God. The Word of God says so in Deuteronomy chapter 8, John chapter 10, verse 27, a powerful scripture, says, My sheep hear my voice. How many of you, the beginning of 2017, have really been spending some time in prayer, and you're really starting to hear some things that you're writing in your prayer journal? And Can I see your hands? Well, it should be all of us, really. It should be all of us. Of those things that you're starting to hear, if you're like me, and I believe we're all alike, you're trying to sort through them. You're writing them down. Is this God or is this me? Uh, I, 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 and then after a while, after you, uh, uh, let's take Pam, for example. When Pam and I first met, I knew who she was, but I didn't know her that well. I didn't really recognize her voice. And, and uh, one day when I called her on the phone, it was like a new voice to me. Now, I can 
be a, a, a crowd of a thousand people. I know my wife's voice. <laughs> uh, I, I know how to respond to my wife's voice because it, I know it so well. That's because of an intimacy and of time spent together. How many of you are a lot better today than you used to be at recognizing the internal voice of the Spirit of the living God? Can I see your hands? And so then you start to write it down, and you start to look at those things, and you say, now, God, I do not know how I could do this, but I know this. In the realm of the supernatural, you can bring it to pass, and you can open the doors and bring things upon me and overtake me with your supernatural leading, so I don't have to be concerned or worried or anxious about how to do it. All I have to do is position myself in the perfect will of God. And there's only one will that God has, and that's a perfect will. So if you're wondering whether or not it's good, acceptable, or perfect, that good and that acceptable are merely adjectives describing the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God is good, the perfect will of God is acceptable, and the perfect will of God is exactly what he has for you. So turn to your neighbor and tell him God has a perfect will for the rest of your life. Now, if we'll seek that, and if we'll go for that, <coughs> his blessings are going to come upon us and are going to overtake us. Now, I want us to turn, if you've got your Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 5, because it's such a powerful scripture talking about what God will do for those people that are seeking him and are operating in his perfect will. The word confidence, we're going to read it here in just a moment, means to have a firm trust and a reliance. A firm trust and a reliance. And uh, when, when, when God is getting ready to move in a person's life, he'll begin to, now, now this is not, I don't necessarily have the scripture to back this up, but he'll begin to test us with things that will move us in the direction he wants us to move. In other words, my grandchildren are starting to drive. Jack's starting to drive now. Glory to God. All of them are getting older. I know I'm not, but they're really getting older. But, but yeah, Jack, somebody just gave Jack a car. Uh, we got into giving cars a long time ago because I heard somebody say that, and we started giving cars here and giving cars there, and John gave a car away in Tulsa, and we gave a car away. And I, I, When we came back to Lafayette, um, uh, somebody in our church Oh, I gave a car away, and then somebody in a church gave a car to Lori when she started driving, and uh, uh, because we didn't have the money for a car, but, and somebody just gave her a car, and uh, I, I've just I've seen how this works. <laughs> it's just absolutely awesome, and uh, and now Jack just out of nowhere somebody called and said, "Hey, we hear you're going to be driving," and called Lori and uh, and said, "We hear you're going to be driving. We've got a car. Uh, we've got an extra car. We're just going to give it to you." So now Carter's got a car. Jack's got a car. Uh, everybody's got a car. And turn to your neighbor and say, "I want some of that supernatural stuff." <laughs> so if you want it you got to pursue it and get into where it is. And if you do, it'll absolutely change your life. And what God will do, he'll test you. Now, it shouldn't surprise us that God will test us because he tested Jesus. And he sent Jesus to the wilderness to be tested for 40 days and 40 nights. Who tested Jesus in the wilderness? Who? devil 
Who tested Adam and Eve? The devil. But Adam and Eve had power over the devil, and they fell. Jesus is referred to as the second Adam. In other words, God brought the second Adam down to perfect what should have been perfected with the first Adam. Why did the first Adam not be able to keep the perfection that he had? Because he was perfect. He was absolutely created in the image of God. Why could he not keep it? Because he did not do one thing which was the most important thing. Everybody say, I can remember one. Apparently, you I can remember one thing. If Pam were here, she'd say, that's about all he can remember. But <laughs> I go to the grocery store, and she gives me these verbal commands, and I have to call her constantly to ask what they were, and now I write it all down. But, but, but <laughs> oh, my wife is here. <laughs> Wouldn't you say I can remember one thing? Two, two. She said two. <laughs> but, but, but the one thing was, just remember, what is the will of God? One thing was all he had. Don't partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One thing, will of God, everything else you can do. You would think he could remember that. You would think Eve could remember that. But every single person. Now, I don't know where this came from with Adam and Eve. I really don't. Because they were both perfect. But every single person since then has a free will. And that free will that we have is a self-will. And the self-will can overrule the God will. Does that make sense so far? I don't understand that because God's rule is stronger than ours. But because we have a free will, we can stand against the will of God anytime we want. And in the garden, if Adam took of the wrong tree, he, he relinquished his authority and command to the devil. We can do the same thing. And so I believe God will test us. I believe God was testing me when he said, go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning of your life. I didn't want to hear just that sentence. That wasn't enough. Where's the money coming from? What am I going to do when I get there? How am I going to take care of the kids? What about my kids? What about her kids? Who's going to live where? How am I going to pay this? How am I going to pay that? God didn't tell me any of that. When you go into the military, Bill Winston up in the... Uh, uh, Chicago. How many of you know Bill? Bill Winston. He was at the conference we were at. Uh, to, a, to, to his church and to his staff, he shows a Marine Corps boot camp uh, indoctrination film. And uh, it's really cool. I've got some. And uh, years ago, I don't know, four or five years ago, I showed an uh, excerpt of it here in the church. But he said, I show it to my church, and that's how you ought to operate in the body of Christ. You get orders, you just do it. Yes, sir, no, sir. Well, no, no, sir. Yes, sir, and you do what you're told, and you don't just whine around about how it feels to you, and you, get, you suck it up and you move on. Well, that's easy for me to teach, right, honey? <laughs> and, you know, it, what is the will of God? What are you doing? And if you're not going to do it, why do you want counseling for it? There's no hope for you. Uh, <laughs> and turn to your neighbor and say, I'm staying away from him. <laughs> But once you know the will of God, you're equipped. you got everything you need because now the supernatural is going to come into play. So when he said, go to Tulsa, you find the meaning of your life, we, we moved out. But the supernatural uh, uh, overpowering blessing of God that's going to come upon your life and overtake you, I didn't see that for a long time. But there were some steps that God wanted us to take before he was able to release what he wanted to release. And what happens then is if you do what God's called you to do, 
This is not a message on tithing. But if the Holy Spirit showing you to tithe and you're not tithing, don't expect the windows of heaven to open. Don't expect the windows of heaven to open. But when I talked about that car just a moment ago, and I was talking to honey, you were out of here, but about all of our kids. Did you hear? Were you back there taking that? You just want to know if I was going to talk about you. Well, not now. I, I, I'm not going to talk about you now. I see you. <laughs> Most of you have heard this story, but I just, I just want to tell you, if you want to operate in the supernatural, you're going to have to pass some tests. I haven't passed all the tests. I guarantee you that. But we did get into giving cars and giving and all those kind of things. And, and it was last year when I just said casually one day, God, I would just like one more new car. Now, I'm not planning to go home and be with the Lord, okay? So, so, but I just say, I'd like one more new car. And it was just in one, you know, it just wasn't a big deal. How many of you got things like that? that it's not a big deal, but somebody wants to give me. No, I didn't even think about being given a car. I thought about how would I get a car? How would I get a new car? Never gave it another thought. Went out, looked at the car I wanted, found it. It was a beautiful car. I thought, I, you know, if, if I was going to have a car, that would be the car. Never gave it another thought. But what I did, I drove it to Pam, showed it to Pam, and said, man, look at this car. She said, you going to buy that car? And I said, nope, never going to into debt again. Um, we're never going back into debt again, not going to be paying for a car. And, you know, why are you driving it? I don't know, because it sure looks nice. <laughs> Took it back, put it on the car dealership. It was about a month later, I got a call from Pam. And they said, we've been praying, and we believe God wants us to get you a new car. Do you have a new car that you like? Yes, I do. <laughs> I have a Buick LaCrosse that I like. What color is it? Yes, I have the color. I have the, I have the parchment interior. I have, yes, I have everything. And, uh, and, 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 this, and I tell you this because God is no respecter of persons. Tell your name. God's no respecter of persons. And uh, so the car, when the dealer called me, he said, they want to know what you want on it. And I said, just tell them uh, I like leather seats and a sunroof. That's all. Just that. I said, okay. He called me back a few minutes later. He said, they said that's not going to work. I said, oh, that's fine. If, uh, you know, ye of little faith, I'm thinking cloth seats or whatever. That's fine. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. There's nothing wrong with cloth seats. And I said, sure, whatever, whatever they say, they're, they're the ones buying it. And I said, they want it fully loaded. I said, what does that mean? He said, well, I don't have time to explain it to you. <laughs> when he finally explained it to me when I got there and saw the car, I mean, air-conditioned seats, heated steering wheel, all of the bells and whistles that I still, to this day, have not figured out. <laughs> that is the blessing of God coming upon you and overtake you. And I am living proof. You do not have to be perfect to be blessed. <laughs> so turn to your neighbor and say, if God can do it for him, he can do it for anybody. But it starts by, when I think about the cars we gave away, when I think about the cars that we encouraged our kids to give away, and then when I see these cars being given away, it's like, duh, it makes really sense. What you plant, you will reap. And if you do what God says to do, the blessings of God come upon you and overtake you. Our greatest example of doing the will of God is our Lord and Savior. And when you study, when, when the disciples were asking about how to pray, and, and he said, you know, uh, Matthew chapter 6, he said, well, this is the way you should pray. And then in verse number 10 of, of, of instructing them how to pray, he said, thy pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let's all say that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. One more time. Thy kingdom come, 
That does not sound like a God who wants us to get up in the morning and tell him what we want. It really sounds like a Marine Corps drill instructor who gets you out of bed in the morning and tells you what you're going to think and tells you what you're going to do and doesn't want to hear anything out of you other than total obedience. And that's what Bill Winston was sharing at one of the meetings, not, not this time, but out there in Tulsa years ago. When you get to that point when your total focus is upon God, what is your will? What do you want me to do today? What do you want me to think today? How do you want me to process it today? A situation will come up that I don't know what to do, which is about any situation, and you've got to say, God, what is your will in this situation? We're dealing through a, a, a situation right now with my grand, or with my uh, uh, uncle, or uncle, I'm, I'm the uncle, with my nephew, with my nephew out in uh, Colorado. And uh, we've been kind of praying and talking through. I need you up here, honey. I've been praying and talking through with him. And it, it's just, some of you have heard the story, but it's just, it, it makes me cry because I think this time it's going to be real. He's coming out on March the 4th. And, uh, and, he's, and he called me and he said, he said, Uncle Bill, I just, I've been praying and I've been active in Bible study and I just, I really think I, knowing what God's telling me to do and, and we're, I, I'm, I'm thinking coming back to Indiana. He's going to live with us for a while. He says, I got this girl out here that I know and I'm going to move in with her and everything's going to be great and we're just going to, we're going to really have life together and Colorado is where he fell, where all sorts of drugs are, and every major city has them. doesn't matter where you live, you can find drugs. And, and it was contrary to what I thought. I thought he was going to come back to Indiana. And it's like, ah, I don't like that. And he says, besides that, you know, I'm going to need some money. And uh, it's like, ah, geez, that's what we went through the last time. Uh, so all of, his, all of these things are going the wrong direction real quickly. And in my emotions, I am thinking, that's not God. Now, I'm responding before I ask God what his will was. Can I see the hands of all the people you know somebody who does that? My wife's hands up. You know somebody who does that, honey? And, 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 and all of a sudden, I'm getting, my mom used to use this term. I never knew what it was until I become an adult. She said, I'm just getting all worked up. And I thought, what does that mean? I'm getting all worked up. And now I know what getting all worked up means. <laughs> it means you're thinking dumb thoughts <laughs> that you shouldn't be thinking. And I'm thinking all these thoughts. And so I started praying. I said, okay, God, I know the girl. Uh, I, I, and, you know, and, and I like her. I really do like this girl. I met her in court. <laughs> I've been in for <laughs> And, uh, and, and, and so anyway, he's, he's explaining this whole story. We're going to go back in the moving business, and we got it all planned, and, you know, all this. Oh, God. I said, God, what is your will? And all of a sudden, I just started crying. I just, I don't think I have to cry to know the will of God. But more times than not, when I'm facing something contrary to my direction, and God starts to show me, it just... It's just an emotional, a spiritually emotionally experience I did not expect. I'm thinking, gosh, this feels like it's God. I know it can't be a dumb thing, but it sure feels like a dumb thing. <laughs> but I know it's not a dumb thing if it's God. And, and I shared it with Pam. And so we're moving that direction because we feel it's the will of God. And I'm thinking, oh, man, when his dad finds out what I'm doing, when his mom finds out what we're doing, they are going to be so hot. And then, because they're not going to like this at all. They're not going to like it at all. But this is what I heard in my spirit. Do you care what they think? Or do you care what I think?
Now, the obvious answer, we're all going to say, oh, I just care what God thinks. But most people struggle with what other people think because they don't want to admit it, but there is a part of them that wants to be a people pleaser. And the Word of God in Proverbs 29-25 says, people pleasers are snared. That when, you, when you're trying to please people, it's a snare that traps you. And what it does, it'll keep you from fulfilling the will of God in your life. We have to get to the point when I believe it's the will of God. If your husband or wife always be in agreement, lay it on the other mate. Because very seldom do you hear things at the same time. Pam and I don't hear things at the same time. But I heard Gloria Copeland say this years ago. I have it in one of my older Bibles. Never forgot it. She said in the beginning, Ken and I would have tremendous arguments, tremendous challenges. She said we finally came to the, the decision and, and, and the agreement that both of us will always hear the same thing from the Holy Spirit regarding any situation if we will wait. We will always hear the same thing. We will never hear two different things. And it said it, is, it has been in our life for, from forever. And that's the same thing today. Don't expect your husband to hear it the same time you do and don't expect your wife to hear the same time. But you will always eventually hear the same thing. And the Word of God says, let the peace of God be the umpire in your heart. I can say that I have a peace that what Matt is doing feels like God. And when he called me and he said, I was praying and asking God, God, what do I do when I get out on March the 4th? Where do I go? I don't want to go back to the streets. And the next day I get a letter, and it's from this girl's mother, and says, my daughter is coming off of probate, not off of probation, but out of the home that she's been living in on March the 4th. She's going to get an apartment, and she thinks that you two should share it together. They used to live together for about five or six years. So now do we have people living out of wedlock, living together, a couple of people who used to be on drugs together, they're coming out of prison, and I'm going to help them live together? That just doesn't even sound scriptural, does it? But you know what? I think God uses the foolish to confound the wise. And I'm about as foolish as anybody. And I believe that this is something that we're moving toward with my wife in agreement. So I can blame her in case this thing goes south. And, and we, we're moving, we are moving toward, I, I, I believe God's got his hand all over this. And I can just, I, I can just see how this thing's going to work out. So now we're operating in the realm of, we believe this is the will of God. Well, seek the will of God every day. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 30, and then over in John chapter 6, verse 38, he said, I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of him who sent me. I came to do the will of my Father. What if we got to the point in our life when everything that we did, we're seeking the will of God? I mean everything. And you say, God, what is your will in this situation? My mind is fast to respond so is yours. You're fast to open your mouth. Sometimes I am too. Sometimes the best, not sometimes, most of the time, if not all of the time, the best thing I can do is keep my mouth shut, keep my mind turned off, and say, God, what is your will in this situation? Because God, now I want to say this because it is so powerful, but it's so simple. God will never, ever not tell you what he wants you to know. It's like a parent raising a child. 
you would never not tell a parent what you a child what you want them to know and then expect them to know it. You would always tell them as a good parent. And God will always tell us what he wants us to know. So if we'll live our life like this, uh, those scriptures that I gave you, uh, Matthew 6.10, Matthew 7.21, I don't want to dwell on Matthew 7.21 because I can tell you I don't have the full revelation of it. But it says, just because you call me Lord, Lord, don't expect that you're going to inherit the kingdom of God. Only those who do the will of God will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty strong scripture. I don't believe that when we get to heaven, God's going to look at us and say, you can't enter in because you had some time over here that you didn't do what I really wanted you to do. Because if that's the case, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Because there are times I miss the will of God. Turn to your neighbor, don't look at me like that and say, I'm with him. (laughs) We all have those kinds of times. Now, I'll I'll close with this scripture. It's, It's in John chapter 3, verse 16. And I think that most of us, uh, when we read it, we think, well, that's not me. And it says that, uh, it says in John chapter, uh, excuse me, James chapter 3, verse 16, that uh, self-seeking people are confused and open the door to the devil. For where there is envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every single thing are there. And sometimes we look at that scripture and we think about people that are really out there really doing bad stuff. But self-seeking people just means they want to do what they want to do. They're not seeking the will of God. I don't believe that Adam and Eve were bad people. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. And they had two choices. One was to be a self-seeking person our one was to be ruled by God. And they took the choice of being self-seeking. They were still perfect people. They were good people. God created them. And they said, now they didn't stand before God and say, you know, God, I know what you said, and I know that I shouldn't be doing this, but I really feel like doing this. Can I see the hands of all the people that you don't need to be told what God has already told you that you're doing and shouldn't be doing, but you're still doing it. I see those hands going like this. (laughs) If If you've been told by God what to do and you're not doing it, are you a God-ruled person or are you a self-seeking person? Well, I don't want to confess the scripture over you, but if you're doing what you want to do instead of what God wants you to do, I would say that is self. And whenever you're into self contrary to what God is showing you, you have opened the door to confusion and every evil work in your mind. And a lot of people today are trying to get set free from torment and things in their mind. And the real problem they're having is they have not submitted their will to the will of God to determine, not my will, but your will be done. Let's stand to our feet. I believe that your entire life today could change if you would make a decision, God, 
every moment of every day with every decision I have to make. When I get up in the morning, when I go to bed at night, I'm going to ask you, God, what is your will for my life? What is your will for my family? What is your will for my thoughts? What is your will for my meditation? What is your will for my worship? What songs do you want me to sing? What is your will for my relationship with my mate? What is your will? And God will tell you over and over and over again. A lot of times we'll get in a situation, and I had somebody tell me this one time. Well, every time I ask God about his will, he tells me the same thing. Why would God always tell you the same thing? Probably because you're not doing it. And he's going to drive the point home. A good father will never say to a son, you don't want to make your bed, no problem, I'll make it for you. Here's the keys to the car, go out, and here's the gas card. No, no. I think the father would beat the crap out of that son. No, you all, you, you all understand what I'm saying. I did not, turn to your neighbor and say, he did not mean that. But a good father will discipline his son with love and say, son, if I ask you to make the bed and you're not going to make it, I'm probably not going to take you to Pizza Hut until you make the bed. But you make the bed, we're going to go to Pizza Hut. If you eat the food and pray over the meal like I ask you to, I might buy you a new car. Any of my grandkids will pray over any meal if they're going to get a new car. Now, you understand what I'm saying. It's so important. And, 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 and I just want to leave you with these three things, and then we're going to, we're going to pray. Number one, you've got to keep your mind renewed. We, shared, we started with that. Your mind is one second away from being unrenewed. Keep your mind renewed. Know God's will in every situation. And the third thing is, do God's will. So let's all say it. My job is to keep my mind renewed 24-7. My job is to ask God, what is his will? And he'll tell me. And my job is to do the will of God. I believe it'll set you free if you set your focus on doing the will of God.